Hello, my real estate queens. Welcome back to the podcast where we talk about everything San Francisco real estate. Today is a very interesting one. It's been very highly requested. I have a lot of clients right now, not a lot, a couple of clients right now who are toying with the idea asking me about the difference between a condo and a TAC because there's some units that come on the market that are TICs and they completely go over the head of my buyers that are looking. When I point out that they're a TIC, not a condo, they're like, oh, I didn't catch that. And I always have the conversation with my buyers who are looking for a condo about condos and TICs because they come up, they look exactly the same. So we talk about what the difference are. So they know what the difference is. But I'm working with a, a couple of new buyers right now that I am explaining. I just had a meeting with them yesterday, actually, in my office, and I explained to them what a TIC is, how we go about it, why I think it might be right for them. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. What is the difference between a condo and a tenancy in common, also known as a TIC in San Francisco? I'm not talking about anywhere other than San Francisco. As you know, ladies, this is San Francisco real estate podcast only. So let's get into it. What's the difference? Which one is right for you? A tenancy in common, they looks exactly the same as a condo. They're in buildings, both Both TICs and a condo have an HOA, homeowners association, both have common spaces, both usually have garages. The difference is behind the scenes in the detail. Three main differences that I'm going to get into today. First one is ownership, how you own it. The second one is financing, what mortgage options you have available. And the third one is the tenant landlord rights in a condo and a TIC are very different. So let's get into it. First, let's look at a condo because everyone knows what a condo is. It's simple and straightforward. So condo, no matter if it's at a two unit building or a 200 unit building is simple. You own 100% of your unit with the right to use the common spaces like the lobby or the backyard or whatever, which you pay for in your HOA fees. Every owner gets their own property tax bill, which means that the city sees your individual condo as its own separate parcel, which needs to pay property taxes. You are in no way tied to the other owners, except that you all live together. Of course, there's then the HOA management, the rules, the, the CCNRs, the fees, and the common spaces. So that's the way that you're tied to them. Now let's look at a TIC. So in contrast, a TIC, they look exactly the same, but it's exactly what the name suggests. Instead of owning your unit with the rights to use the common spaces like a condo, you own a percentage of the entire building with all of the other owners in the building, with exclusive use of your unit. The price you pay for for your unit is based on the percentage of ownership of the entire building. Let me break that down, kind of confusing. So if your unit, the unit you're buying is 2,000 square feet, what percentage is of two, what percentage of the building is 2,000 square feet? Let's say it's 35%, so you own 35% 35% shares of the building. 
But nonetheless, you're all partners with all of the other owners, even though you might own a bigger or smaller percentage of the building with them. That's difference number one. The city sees a TIC building, no matter if it has two units or 200 units, as one parcel, whereas in a condo, every unit is its own parcel. So you get one property tax bill for the entire building and you must split it up. A little bit more work for the HOA manager, if it, even if it's per professionally managed or if it's the owners. And until recently, everybody was on the same loan. It was horrible. Everybody was affected by the other actions of the other owners. Everybody was on the same loan. So if one person defaulted, it affected your loan. If one person wanted to sell their unit, pay off their mortgage, it affected your loan. If another person wanted to refinance, you get the picture. That has been since that has since been changed. Now we have something that's called fractional financing, where everybody essentially has their own loan based on the percentage of ownership in the building. That is a huge difference. How you own your unit and the financing. Those are two, two big ones. Caveat. Most lenders in San Francisco do not lend on a TIC. If you're going traditional bank routes, let's just say Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, you're out of luck with a TIC. You Because they just are in a box, they have rules, they can't go out of them. So there's only about three to four lenders that lend on TIC buildings in San Francisco. And the loan is a little bit different. They require a higher down payment, something like 35%, and maybe the interest rates might be a little different. Okay. I want to read you a quote from a blog from a landlord and tenant rights attorney in San Francisco talking about fractional TIC financing. I've actually used this attorney not because I own a TIC, but because I had a house and we had landlord tenant issues. So let me read it. Quote, with individual or fractional TIC mortgages, each TIC owner obtains a separate independent mortgage secured only by his or her ownership interest in the TIC property. Without a group mortgage, a late payment by one owner does not damage the credit history of another. And while a loan default by one owner may have some consequences on the TIC group, risk of foreclosure against a non-defaulting TIC owner is not among them. TIC mortgages have higher interest rates, less favorable mortgage terms. Okay, so like I said, another huge difference is that is the tenant landlord laws in San Francisco. The tenant landlord laws in San Francisco as a base, as a foundation are horrible, super strict. I did a podcast episode with my attorney and we talked all about this. So go back and listen to that. But it also varies whether you own a single family home, a duplex, a TAC or a condo. Everybody has different rules building upon the basic rules San Francisco has. Also, TICs tend to be less expensive than condos. So it's a really, really good alternative for 
people that need to want to be in a very specific area but cannot afford a condo. TICs are the only option available to these people because they are less competitive because there's a little bit more hoops to jump through and you're not really going to be able to rent it out. So that can't be on your horizon. But if you want to live there and you're able for a a big down payment, but a smaller purchase price, less competition, it's a great, great option. I want to give you a general overview of the landlord tenant rights in a TIC versus a condo. Now, I want to have a huge disclaimer here. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice in any way. This is just what I've learned over the years and I've experienced professionally and I've heard and I've asked questions and I've learned. Some free resources for tenants and owners is the San Francisco Rent Board, which you can actually call to get information from them, whether you are a tenant or an owner. Actually, I did that just a couple of days ago. One of my buyers is interested in buying a duplex and they're interested in buying the duplex and converting it to a TIC, which we'll talk about. And you can only do that if the building has not had any eviction history. So I straight up called the rent board and they were able to tell me, they were also able to point me in the direction of condo conversion rules. Obviously we have our own lawyer and we don't need that, but free resources right there. Another huge disclaimer, If you own property, any type of property in San Francisco, you must 100%, 100% have a local real estate attorney every step of the way if you ever plan on being a landlord. I just have to say, I had a client a couple years ago who I helped her buy a TIC without consulting to me, without consulting with me, went on Google, printed out a California lease agreement and put tenants in there. She had no idea the San Francisco tenant rights override a California lease agreement. We have our own San Francisco lease agreement. She had no idea what her rights even were. She had no idea that she couldn't raise rent, that she couldn't ask them to leave. It was a mess. So, you know, the back end was that we had she had to hire a lawyer and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get legal advice when the time came inevitably that she wanted them to leave because she didn't know at the beginning that you were not allowed to do that. So 100%, okay? Be very careful before you get a tenant into your property, any property. If you get a tenant into your property with or without a written lease, tenants' rights apply. If they occupy the property for more than 30 days, tenants' rights apply. That goes for Airbnbs. If they stay for more than 30 days, they automatically have San Francisco tenant rights. doesn't matter if they have a written lease or not. I'm getting on a high horse. This is not a tenant-landlord podcast right now. I already did one of those, but I just want you to know what San Francisco is offering landlords. Generally, you'll not be able to get your tenants out without a lawsuit, eviction, throwing a bunch of money at them, and you have your building forever recorded as having evicted tenants so that you might not be able to evict them a second time or condo convert. Plus, you need to disclose this fact when you sell, and you also have to have attorney fees. Just, it's a big mess. 
So you need to think really twice if you want to put tenants into your TIC or condo or anything. Obviously consult a lawyer, but you need to think twice. You need to have lived there, have had your good time, and you need to know that you're never going to want to live there again. It's not like, oh, I'll just move back in a couple years. No, you're at the mercy of your tenants. I have another quote I want to read you from my attorneys. Quote, San Francisco rent control rules can affect the ability of a TIC owner to occupy their new home if a tenant is already there. If you buy the condo with a tenant already there and you inherit that tenant, you are subject to tenant's rights. Stays with the building, not the owner that put them in there. I know, it doesn't make any sense. Only one owner move in eviction is allowed per building. Evictions of protected tenants, which are elderly over 65, disabled, catastrophically ill, or school teachers during a certain period of time during the year, evictions of protected tenants are prohibited. Not allowed. Point blank, zero. Prohibited, nothing. If you do not do an owner move in eviction, but you do an Ellis Act eviction, you want to, you, if you do an Ellis Act eviction, excuse me, if you do an Ellis Act eviction, you cannot rent the building again for a very long time. And when you do, you have to offer it back to those tenants at the original price. Ellis Act eviction is solely for the owner to move in which is different than an owner move and eviction. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it is. Moreover, faced with pressure from tenant rights advocates, some San Francisco lenders have announced that they will no longer offer mortgage loans where tenants have been evicted under an Ellis Act eviction history. Very, very scary. So buying a TIC building is unit is fine. You just will never buy anything house, condo, duplex, TAC that comes with tenants because that building will be subject to tenants' rights. That's why they are like significantly less expensive because you know you're buying it for the long haul. Whenever that tenant just decides that they're done living there, could be in a year, could be in a hundred years or 50. You get me. You get me. Let's talk about rent control overview for a condo. Okay, that was TIC, this is a condo. A condo built before 1978 with a tenancy starting before 1996 has all the rent laws in the book, rent control and eviction control, the maximum, the worst. Same as a TIC if it was built before 79 and the tenants moved in before 96. Everything is the same as a TIC. But if you had tenants in there after 1996, then it, it still has eviction protection for tenants, but not rent control. A condo built after 79 has no rent control and no eviction protection for tenants. But everything in San Francisco still has a baseline of tenant rights. It's all very confusing. But these rules don't really apply to TICs. All TICs have rent control and eviction control to the very, very max. Condos might have a little leeway. Single family homes have a little bit more leeway. But as you can see, all of this is super confusing. It's just so much to know. But basically, if you're buying 
a unit with the intention of renting it out someday, these are just things that you're going to have to know. You know that you're going to have to consult with a real estate attorney, no matter what property you buy in San Francisco, you're going to have to consult with an attorney. But those are huge differences between a condo and a TAC. It limits what you can do with your property in that sense. Let's talk about HOAs, homeowners associations. It's the governing body of your building, pretty much. The homeowners association is made up of all the owners in the building who pay a monthly fee to cover expenses, garbage, water, building maintenance, if you have a doorman, if you have gardening all the time, things like that. Sometimes the building is professionally managed by an outside company. If the owners just want to go that way, you guys have to vote on it and pick one, of course, and pay for them. And then sometimes the owners manage the own building just by monthly meetings and if the building doesn't have too much maintenance and if you guys have time. Monthly HOA meetings are held to discuss topics relevant to the building. Meeting minutes and notes are recorded. A bank account is opened with funds to pay the joint expenses. Um, any special assessments that might happen like if you want to paint the outside of your building and you don't have enough in your reserve account for that, you tell everyone, hey, you need to pay five grand or a new roof. There's usually an HOA manager or a president that kind of like oversees this and you need to be kind of organized because in, in a sale of a property that's a condo or TAC that has an HOA, you need to be providing minutes, reserves, what you guys have worked on, notes, a lot of things. And of course, CC&Rs and, and restrictions and stuff like that. What are HOA fees? HOA fees are a monthly fee every owner in the building pays because each building has expenses. Similar to a house, these fees go toward expenses. Now, the HOA fees, a portion of them depends on how much the HOA fees are. A portion of your HOA fees go to your expenses. And if your building wants, a portion of your HOA fees goes into a reserve bank account for things that need to be done. One-off things like painting roof. Um, how much are HOA fees? Well, this is determined by each individual factor. Most each in, in this is determined by each individual building. Two factors in determining HOA fees are the monthly expenses and how much they want to have in your reserve account for a rainy day. Some buildings have low monthly expenses, bare minimum, just like what they need to pay. Garbage, water, insurance. Some buildings have all the bells and whistles, like an elevator, doorman, private security, roof deck, gym, conference room, whatever, their HOA fees to maintain those are obviously higher. The more things you pay for each month, the higher your HOA fees are. And then you have reserves. Reserves are what the HOA has in their bank account for a rainy day. Basically, done. That's what a lot of people want to know. How much does the HOA have in reserves? Can your HOA fee go up? Absolutely. HOA fees can affect your mortgage. If you're getting a mortgage and you qualify for a certain loan amount, the HOA fees can affect your purchase price. I 
I mean, every time I'm working with a buyer, they're approved for, let's say, a $2 million purchase price, and your HOA fee can be as high as $1,000. If your HOA fee goes up more, then your loan amount will be affected. So take that into account. Can you convert a TIC into a condo? And that's such a good question. The answer is absolutely, and at the same time, absolutely not. Back in the day, San Francisco had something that was called the lottery system, meaning any TIC building, any building, doesn't matter how many units or who lives there, owners, tenants, whatever, can enter this lottery system and just like be selected to be converted into a condo. But that, you know, has since been gone and we don't have that anymore. And now the rules have changed. So now only two unit buildings that are owner occupied both of them for one year without and each owner must own at least 25% interest and the building has never had any eviction history can qualify for being condo converted so basically the city is saying i don't want anybody to condo convert i have no idea why they care so much i don't know why it's In my eyes, it's probably better for the city to have condos. Everybody pays their own property tax bill. They get more property taxes and all a lot of things. But that's, that's the fact about it. So in conclusion, three main differences between a condo and a TIC. Condo and TIC. One is ownership. In a condo, you own 100% of your individual unit. In a TIC, you own a percentage of the building with other owners. And financing. In a condo, you have traditional lenders that everybody can loan on a a condo, same as a home. And only a select number can loan on a TIC. So you might have to get two pre-approvals, one for a condo, one for a TIC, which you should. And then the last one is tenant rights. In a TIC, you have the maximum strength of the law. In a condo, it's a little bit more flexible. So there you have it. I hope that this was educational. I I know it was educational. It's a lot of information here to know. But I think a condo is right for you and a TIC is right for certain people. So Like I said, for my clients that need to be in a specific location in the marina, for example, and they need a two to three bedroom unit, condos are going for two million, two to three bedrooms, two million easy in the marina. My clients don't have that kind of budget, but a TIC recent sales are in their budget. So they need to go with a TIC because they want to live there for a long time. They don't ever want to rent it out and they want to be in this specific location. So they don't care if it's a condo or a TIC. It doesn't matter to them. But for some clients who have the intention of living there for a shorter time and renting it out, absolutely not. And there you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed. I would love to hear from you. I hope you gained a little bit more San Francisco real estate knowledge. You became more real estate queenie. And I will talk to you soon. Bye.